Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking about unique ways to forward adoption. You know, having a family, whether you're adopting, whether you're having a child naturally, whatever it may be, is a life goal for many of us. Um, It certainly is for my husband and myself. We've had uh, difficulty getting pregnant. So I thought this was a great podcast topic to talk about because, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about not being able to get pregnant, right? Especially us women, it's not really, um, it's just not a fun topic. It's it's like talking about money, right? I mean, who wants to do that? But the reality is that, you know, there are so many different ways to afford adoption. And I have to admit, when I first started looking at adoption, you know, according to American adoptions, the average cost for adopting in the U.S. is somewhere around thirty to forty thousand dollars plus, and that's just a lot of money. I mean, even if you have that amount of cash sitting, you know, in some sort of account that you can use to pay for adoption, that's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money to a lot of us, especially if we're in our twenties and thirties and we're just growing our career and. You know, we still want to travel, we still want to do fun things, but we have this longing in our heart to have a family, to start a family. You know, you're you're left with 
not great choices. You know, you, you either deplete your assets, deplete, you know, your savings, your emergency fund, whatever you've been really saving towards, um, or not have a kid. And either one of those is probably not a great option for a lot of people. Um, and I know it's, you know, for us, a really tough decision to decide what to do. And, you know, being the money person and being this resourceful kind of out of the box thinker, I I started to really think about, you know, if we decided to adopt, you know, what are there, what are ways that, that we can actually afford this, you know, that all of us can actually afford this. And, you know, I came across Nicole Witt, who is executive director of the Adoption Consultancy, along with two of her clients, Heidi and Brandon, who recently raised over $19,000 to afford their adoption. And they're in their 30s. They're just like all the rest of us, you know, paying their bills, um, growing in their career. They're not multimillionaires, but they have, again, this desire to have a family. And I thought, you know, what a cool way to bring this story to life is to not only share Nicole's expertise, but also Heidi and Brandon's story. So I hope you enjoy this. This is the unique ways to raise money to afford adoption. to have uh, Nicole, Heidi, and Brandon on the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I know everything that you're, you're going to share is just such important information, and all the listeners are going to love hearing these tips. Yeah, our pleasure. Awesome. So let's start with Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, for having us on. Yeah. yeah glad to be here. Let's start with Nicole. So tell me a little bit about the adoption consultancy, kind of what you do and, um, you know, help us understand the real costs of adoption. Okay, sure. Yeah, I tell people kind of an easy way to get what I do is that I'm sort of like a wedding planner for adoption. So I guide people step by step through the whole process from connecting them with the right agencies and attorneys to helping them um, create a profile, which is kind of like a scrapbook that birth moms look at to choose the adoptive parents to doing risk assessment on opportunities that arise. Um, But of course, one of the things that we talk about a lot, which is a concern for a lot of people, is is the cost of the adoption and how they can afford it. Sure. Yep. Yep. And so what are some of the costs if somebody is like just looking into adoption, what should they know about? Well, you know, I work mostly with private domestic adoptions and The places that I work with, it depends on so many different factors, but you're probably looking generally at costs somewhere between about $35,000 and $45,000. Now, there are ways to adopt less expensively than that for sure, but there tends to be a trade-off, generally speaking, between cost and wait time. So people who are looking to kind of make it happen more quickly, you know, usually that's what they're going to be spending. 
Right, right, of course. And then uh, let's just say, you know, somebody is looking to adoption and, you know, maybe they don't have that much money set aside and that's kind of, you know, scaring them away from the process. I know there's all sorts of different types of loans and grants and, you know, different things like that. Can you um, talk a little bit about that and how that process works? Yeah, well, one of the most important things first, now it does involve people coming up with the money up front, but the biggest thing that helps the most people is the tax credit. There is a tax credit that's over $13,000, and it's a dollar-for-dollar tax credit, so it's much more valuable than a tax deduction. So as long as you qualify for that, that will ultimately put more than $13,000 back in your pocket. So that's obviously huge. Um, And then the second big area for the lucky ones that have it are employer reimbursements. So not that many people have that. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, a small amount, a thousand or so, but every little bit helps. But some people are fortunate enough where their employers reimburse 10 or $20,000. So that plus the tax credit already gets them a lot of the way there. And is that something they can just, you know, check with their employer about, their human resources department? Yes. Yep, definitely. And if they want to, if they don't offer it and they want to kind of lobby for it, um, the Dave Thomas Foundation is an excellent resource and they actually offer a free packet that you can request that gives you all kinds of resources and sample letters and so on that will help you lobby your employer to provide adoption reimbursement. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to know. So what about if if there's no employer reimbursement? What about loans and grants and those types of things? Yeah, there there are a lot of different loans and grants out there. Grants can be, you know, a little tricky to come by. Sometimes the timing is, you know, needs to be very specific and so on. The best way I would say to explore loans and grants is um, there, there's sort of a clearinghouse resource online that's called Resources for Adoption, and it's resources plural the digit for adoption.com. And they can maintain a database with information about all the different loans and grants, you know, deadlines, amounts, requirements, et cetera, so that you don't have to, you know, search online and try to put all that together yourself. And you do have to pay for access to it, but it's, it's really minimal. I mean, I think it's like $30 for three months worth of access or something like that. Right. So obviously, if you're going to go the, you know, that that kind of route, it's going to take a little bit of kind of, you know, investigation on your part, a little research, you know, maybe some extra time, a little patience involved, those types of things. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, And then, you know, beyond that, of course, you um, you start getting into uh, needing to make up the difference. You know, what are the other things that, that people can do? And of course there, there are a whole host of options, you know, from some people get a temporary or second part-time job or they, they'll do stuff like, um, you know, selling online, et cetera. And they just put kind of all that money towards their adoption, which is obviously, you know, a big commitment and a big cramp on your lifestyle. But if you go into it knowing, you know what, I need to do this for a year, you know, and then I'm going to have the money that I need, you know, in, in, in the big picture, that's not, that's not that huge of a deal. Um, other people ask for, help from their family and friends. They might ask their parents to sort of give them their inheritance early, if you will, and, right. and then kind of write them out of the will. Um, people do a lot of serious cost cutting, you know, stop going out to dinner, stop, you know, turn off cable TV, all those kinds of things. They're painful. Um, but again, if you go into it knowing that it's very temporary and over time, all those different things can add up. 
And, you know, as far as the costs are concerned, like, you know, if somebody um, came to you, they wanted to adopt, you know, at, at what point, I mean, are they, are they having to, you know, write a check for that amount of money, like right off the bat? Or what is kind of the process like that they go through and, and you know, the, the funds that are laid out? Yeah, no, they don't have to have it all up front. But with domestic adoption, it's it's a bit unpredictable in terms of when you're going to match with a birth mom, how far along in the pregnancy she's going to be, when she's actually going to deliver. So you don't have a, a timeline set in stone by any means. But generally, they'd have relatively minimal expenses up front in terms of application fees with the agencies. And then the big money comes in when they're matched with a potential birth mom. Um, and then every agency has their own fee schedule, but the most common scenario is that they pay about half at the time that they match, and then they pay the other half when the baby is placed with them. So, so that's most typical. But with that said, when you sign up with the agencies, they you have to show what they call proof of funds. You know, so they want to know if a baby's born the next day that you're going to be able to go forward with the adoption. So you have to show them some account, even if it's not the account that you actually intend to use to pay. But, you know, if you were in a jam, you could. So for instance, if you show them, look, I have $40,000 in my retirement account, or look, my parents have $40,000 in this account, um, you know, they need to see that it's feasible if something came up the next day, even if those aren't the accounts that you necessarily plan to use. Ah, yes. Very tricky. Okay. That sounds good. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. DeleteMe is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using DeleteMe and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Um, yeah. Anything else as, uh, on regards to the cost that people should know about? You know, the, the numbers that we've been talking about, of course, it's a huge range, but sure. that's generally what you pay to the agency or the attorney that does the placement. So you do have to be prepared for the ancillary costs. You know, there, there's a home study, which depends a lot on where you live in the country, but often that runs about maybe 1500 2000 At the end of the process, there are some legal fees for finalization that can run about the same. Um, and then if you're going to be traveling, you have to factor those costs in as well. Sometimes you need to stay out of state for a couple of weeks. So um, you need to kind of plan for a little bit extra. 
Yeah, yeah. So definitely the more the more cash you can kind of had set aside, the, the better off you're going to be in the whole process. Of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you talked about, um, you know, interesting ways to fundraise. And, you know, I want to spend some time uh, talking to Heidi and Brandon and have you guys share your story. I know that, um, you know, you worked with Nicole and you you also came up with some creative ways of, of fundraising to for the adoption. Can you walk me through kind of your story and, and what you guys did? Yeah, of course. Um, we were lucky enough to be referred to Nicole right off the bat by some friends that had used her just the year before. And so we got hooked up with her June of last year and she was amazing. <laughs> she, Aww. thank you, Nicole. I mean, she is exactly what she said she does step by step and, um, and got us on the right track. She actually had a lot of documents that we could download that had a whole list of grant options and, um, also tons of fundraising ideas. And you can go online and find a whole bunch of fundraising ideas too. Um, so I kind of went through those and, and wrote down some of the feasible ones and the ones that would maybe attract people, you know, because if they're going to give towards something, it's kind of fun to get in return, you know, like sure, give, yeah. get a little entertainment out of the deal or something. Um, but how we landed on the adoption or the auction, fundraiser was I had worked at a private Christian school for many years and because it was a private school they had to uh, raise funds besides just tuition and so they did this auction fundraiser where it wasn't just um, selling items it was selling events so like maybe a Hawaiian luau dinner or a bus ride to the beach or airplane rides or you know kind of whatever sure the the people, the talents and the skills and the, and the abilities that people could give. And, um, it raised a lot of money for the school. And so I kind of had been involved in that for many years. And my dad is auctioneer. So that made it. Ah, uh, really yes. Nice. And, um, so we went ahead and, and decided to go that route. We had a friend, what Brandon's friend offered to, mm-hmm. to do a meal for us and, and, um, sell meal t- tickets to, cover the cost of the food, but these, the friend would actually, you know, do his time and labor for free, you know, contribute to our cause. And we just had so many friends and family and community members and even virtual strangers donate to the auction. And, um, we invited about 600 people hoping like, hoping like half would come, you know? Sure. And, uh, pretty soon only like a hundred were signed up to come and we're like starting to panic. Like we need, we have so many things to sell. We need more people. We need more bodies there, you know, to buy all this stuff. And so we just kept opening up, you know, everybody just kept spreading the word. And I think we ended up with three fifty probably. Um, and yeah, in that one night we raised over, I mean, take home was 18 grand. We raised over, uh, 19,000 and we had about a thousand in expenses. So Wow, that very, is incredible, yeah. Very successful evening, yeah. And now when you were kind of researching, you know, uh, other ways to to fund the adoption, are there any other things that you guys kind of came across that you thought, well, maybe we could do this or we could do that? Well, we did, um, we did use the Apparent Project, and they are um, – a project out of Haiti that makes Christmas ornaments and recyclable necklaces and bracelets. And so they will send you those goods for at no cost. And then you sell 
um, each item for $10, you keep $5 and send them $5. And so we did that as well. It didn't make us a whole lot of money, but like Nicole said, every little bit helps. Um, what I thought was cool about that was it was also helping parents in Haiti, you know, raise enough money to be able to keep their own children. So it was kind of like helping two sets of parents, you know, them and us. Um, we also had friends do like a bake sale. One little 10 year old girl did a bake sale and she raised a thousand dollars by selling cookies, um, that that she gave to us. And, um, another bake sale raised $800. And so we personally didn't do a whole bunch more than the auction because that was huge in itself. Um, but between all of our friends doing their stuff, we raised, we raised enough money to make it work. And with the tax credit that we'll get next spring and a matching grant, we raised pretty much the right dollar amount that we needed for this adoption. So very, very awesome. Wow. And so, you know, even just to kind of back up a little bit from there, you know, when you were thinking about adoption and thinking about the costs and things like that, you know, was it, was it overwhelming to you? You know, walk me through like what, what you guys were thinking when you saw those numbers. Yeah. I had always assumed that, uh, overseas adoptions were really expensive because you had all the, yeah, international, cause you had the travel and you had like the two countries involved, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, Oh, birth adoption cost that much. And then when I heard, when I heard, you know, 30 to 40, I was like, gulp. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because no, we, you know, we both were just making, meager salaries and it's enough for us to, you know, live on and get by, but it's not, you know, we're not doctors and lawyers by any means. And, um, and I, I think Nicole asked me that same question back in June. And I said, well, we raised $8,000 over five years in order to go on a trip. And she goes, well, you know, that's not very, (laughs) right. That was literally just the extra pennies, you know, getting put aside for a vacation. But when you really do cut back and sacrifice and put away, um, you can make, you can, you can make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously it does take your friends and your family stepping in and, and giving their aid too. So Yeah. And I think that's such a good message because I think that so many people who, you know, struggle with infertility, you know, are really nervous because maybe they don't make, you know, a ton of money, you know, how in the world are they going to be able to afford this? And so I think Mm -hmm. it's great to share stories where, you know, people like yourself are like, no, no, you can actually do it. You can make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a great point, Shauna, because most people come to adoption after having been through a lot of infertility treatment. So even if they had, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars put aside. That's now gone. You know they've just yep. spent so much, so they're really tapped out. Yeah, and probably a bit exhausted too. <laughs> yes, tapped out mentally, emotionally, and financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely true. And we weren't hundred percent sure if adoption was where we were supposed to be even going. You know, and we just knew we were supposed to be parents, and you know the the uh, natural route wasn't working, and so we're thinking, well maybe adoption's right or maybe it's not. And so once doors started opening and the funds started coming in and it just was a really clear sign from the Lord that this is our direction and and he was making it very obvious that we were doing the right thing. So, so yeah, it was a really good confirmation the way the funds rolled in and, um, 
Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So how long was it be- between when you, you know, decided to adopt to, you know, adoption? What was that timeline like? Um, what would you say, Brandon? June? June. I mean, that June was when we had started the process, kind of the whole, like, okay, we decided to adopt. What now? Met like, what's Nicole step and got one? The whole rolling. So. And then our baby was born in August of this year. Okay. So okay. just over okay. just over a year from start to finish. Yeah, about fourteen months. Yeah, that's not too long at all. And how did you guys find Nicole? I mean, what was your what was your search like? Well, I had heard of a, of another consultant group, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a handy tool, you know, because I knew nothing of adoption, and so I started looking in with them. But but there was just enough things like they were only good for a year and they didn't help you with the profile book. And there was just enough things that I was like, "Ah, I don't know. And so then, um, Brandon, Brandon's brother's friend. So kind of a couple steps away, but anyways, a a friend, they used Nicole, um, two years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to get acquainted with her through them. So very, very good recommendation. And we're very grateful for them for sending us to Nicole. Yeah, absolutely. And Nicole, uh, one last question for you. If, if, you know, people are thinking about adoption and, and they're maybe looking at different agencies like yourself, you know, what are some of the questions they should be asking when they, when they go in for the first time, when they're trying to find kind of the right match for themselves? As far as the right match with an agency? Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say if they if they're working with a consultant, they don't need to worry about that because that's okay. part of what we do for them. That's Amen. right. Yeah. <laughs> but if they want to do it on their own, um, then you need to. Of course, you need to check things like you know Better Business Bureau. Um, check their references. Don't just check the references that they give you. It's so easy with social media to find other people that have used them, you know, that maybe they don't have on their reference list. And, but you have to understand, I mean, every place is going to have some people that didn't have the best of experiences. And those are often going to be the people who are most willing to talk. So what you want to do is, you know, get a lot of information and look for consistencies. You know, if there seems to be one theme where this agency really seems to have a problem with this type of issue, you know, that's a concern versus, okay, maybe this or that person didn't have the best experience, you know, yeah. but you want a place that that's, that's reputable, that's experienced, that has a good track record for a long time. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that's great to know. And so if somebody listening is, you know, thinking about adoption and considering it, and now obviously realizing that, you know, they can, they can make this work, how do they find you and, and how do they uh, go about kind of starting the process? Well, the best way to find me is online. Our website is theadoptionconsultancy.com. And all of our information is up there. All the contact information is up there. um, And that's, that's the best way to reach out. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. Well, thank you guys all for sharing your story. Like I said, I mean, I think it's such an important message to share with people that, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to be able to afford adoption and that, you know, if if a baby is what is important to you and to your family, you know, you can actually make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. 